Alrighty. Good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever time you're listening to this at. Stole that from Hyven last week. I liked it. I'm going to keep it up. This is Guardians of Lore. Tonight we are reading, sorry, this is episode 11, recorded on February 16th, 2019. And tonight we will be reading the book of Unmaking. I am your host for the evening, Mrs. Hyven. I am Elamist. And this is Tyven. All right. So in way of podcast news, we've got our huge. And yes, I abbreviated that word because Hyven hates when I do that. So we've got our huge. Um, <laughs> follow us on Twitter. At Guardians underscore lore. I had that up. So come and chat with me. I get really bored at work and I'll totally respond to your messages. Our email is guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. Pretty sure Elemis is in charge of that one, so chat with him too. He's good people. Um, as always, give us a review. If you like us, if you hate us, I mean, review us. Let us know. Can't really do anything differently unless we get feedback. And exciting news, we have hit 1,000 listens. So that's about 100 listens an episode uh, since we've now got 10. Uh, so we're really excited about that. We thank everyone for all of those listens because it's kind of cool that we're not just sitting here talking to ourselves. We'd still do it even without the listens, but it's it's nice to know that other people are listening to us. Um, yeah, I was, also, I was about to say, I mean, like, I, I talk to myself all the time. Right? But people, people aren't around, but I mean, still do it. <laughs> well, people, people are listening to you. You just don't notice them. People are around. <laughs> They're staring. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> it's like, that's what all of those side glances were? Okay. Um, also exciting, we have hit over 200 followers on Twitter. Less exciting, Twitter did not ask me if I wanted to celebrate it. And I know that sounds weird, but when I hit, like, 10, when I hit 50, and when I hit 100, each time Twitter was like, look what you've done! Do you want to tweet about it? And I was, like, looking forward to this new milestone, and then Twitter didn't even ask me if I wanted to tweet about it, so... I'll probably still tweet about it. Oh, definitely. Forget Twitter. I'll do my own life. But <laughs> it probably it like, has certain like goal standards that right? it'll like alert 200, you at. Maybe you should hit 500 and then we'll talk. So guys, yeah. let's aim for 500. Tell your friends so I can get excited about it all over again. <clears throat> Little things excite me. <laughs> all right. So that's podcast news. Now we're going to move on to stuff you may have missed in Destiny. And guys, I'm really excited about this one because I am hosting tonight, obviously, if you haven't already heard me not shut up. But we're going to talk about Crimson Days. And I'm so excited because no. normally when we get to this part and stuff you may have... I'm not actually missed, talking about Crimson Days. You're not hosting. I am. I'm going to talk about this. Normally... Okay. <laughs> We're talking about Crimson Days then. Okay. Yes. Normally when we get to this part, you guys, Elemis and Hyven will discuss something that they did and that this week you've missed on Destiny. And I just oh, sit yeah. here in silence. <clears throat> I don't do anything. I'm not a super active game player. But you know what? I got on this week. A, just to see the tower. But B, my good friend Elemis was like, hey, I'll join you. Let's be paired. Yes, I have a husband who was also playing, but he wanted hey, to I didn't play. even know you got on. I was in the middle of matches, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, man, she's playing with Elmist. 
hope that's but going we well for them. Had a blast, and I just want to say I actually did something with Beak, you guys, and it was amazing. And shout out to the two sad people that we kept getting matchmated against, who were totally getting matched because of my level. And not because of Alamis's and then just getting killed. Like, <laughs> we're sorry, but thank you for helping us hit our goals. <laughs> we yeah, had I was wondering five... how the matchmaking would work. Yeah, like, we, we had a five-win streak. Yeah, one of those was like... because we got drafted into a match with no opponents. Yeah, but still. <laughs> hey, it still counts. Well, this is my... It'll help my... us get to our bounties. Miss you were Titan doing that, was... and I was... Yeah, Mrs. Oh, Ivan oh, went she invincible in that match. <laughs> hey, by the oh. end of like our plays, I actually started getting some legit kills, and I got to play with my sword. That was the best part. <laughs> sword. Uh, oh my god. Well, I, while you were doing that, was matched up, I believe I was with Layman. I think you played so much Layman and so much Sean. Before that, it was Sean. I have it. I was gonna make my customary podcast shout out to Sean, but yeah, I played a lot with Sean. But me and Flame were playing last night, so. Don't not even sure if he listens, you guys. We even told him about his shout outs, and I don't know if he loves us enough to listen. I'll go bug yeah, him. Crimson Days was. Crimson Days was fun. I really enjoyed it. I was able to finish all the triumphs and get all the Crucible medals and basically do everything. I didn't finish the secret triumphs, um, but I don't feel like using Crimson or that. Vigilance Wing. I I might I go through and do them tomorrow. Those are the only uh, three I don't have. The only one that I don't have is the Two-Tailed Fox Secret Triumph. Yeah, I didn't do that. Because <clears throat> that one, like, you have to just camp heavy and hope <laughs> yeah. that they bunch up together. Yeah, no, my favorite thing about Crimson Days, though, um, was every time I started getting far away from Elemis on the map and showed that, like, little broken heart in the in the bottom corner that was like, you're drifting apart. Like... Our marriage was about to be over or something because I was too far from him on the map. <laughs> and I loved it. It was just such like a little thing for them to add, but it was hysterical. It's it's and like the whole feel, but it also has a it's actually a thing too, because it gives you a perk when you're together that all your abilities recharge faster. And when you're too far apart, you get highlighted on the map and people can find you really easy. So I like how they kinda like made it love themed but they also made it like actually do something so that's kind of cool i enjoy well, and, and so like i i don't know if you noticed it mrs ivan but like when we actually were together the buff that it gave us was called reunited nope because i'm pretty oblivious to most things always <laughs> always the cute drifting apart in fact <laughs> we're sitting there going over weapons I call Hyven to come out and help me help me go through some of my weapons. And um, he tells me, oh, sidearms aren't that good. And Elemis was like, well, they're not bad if you know how to use them. To which I had to remind Elemis, Hyven was giving me recommendations based on my level of shooting. I need something very easy. I was just trying, I'm trying to give her the, the I want her to have some of the most meta, easiest to use <laughs> weapons in the game. He knows his audience. Fair point. <laughs> and her loadout was just not super competitive, but she had fun, so it turned out well. It oodles yeah. and oodles of fun. But anywho, so we talked about Crimson Days, guys. See, when I host, we do the most. So there we go. I like it. I'm probably going to say that next time I host. Someone remind there me. There goes all of our Absolutely. followers. Absolutely. <laughs> 
10 subscribers. Wow. I break up the dryness. I add life to this party. Life to this sausage party. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. Okay, so anyways, next week, Iron Banner, or as we like to call it in this house, Iron Banana. So look forward to that. Um, yep. Now. And it's the last, last one of the new. Yeah, it's the last one of this season. Yeah, what so. they said, because I totally knew that, too. And you will not be going. You probably do not want to go in there, Mrs. Ivan, because light level does matter in that. Remember, I was explaining that your light level doesn't matter in Crucible except for that. So, oh well, we'll see what I do this week. I finally finished Forsaken, you guys. That's where I'm at. Pretty excited about it. Also, I have thoughts on that. No, wait, you didn't finish. You didn't finish Forsaken. What? You didn't get into the Dreaming City yet. You just finished the first part of the main story. Oh my gosh. I still have thoughts on what I did finish, okay? Okay. So disappointed about that. <laughs> I'll circle back to this. Uh, <laughs> brief intro to our topic. This lore book, like I said, hold on, let me get back up. <clears throat> the Book of the Unmaking, just to remind everyone what we're talking about, because we've been talking about so many other things. I've forgotten at this point. <laughs> exactly. This lore book was attained from working on the draw quest to obtain the last word. A little footnote over here that says the drifter thought we were crafting a new weapon of sorrow. So. I just love that you were like, sorry, I have a footnote here written for me that I need to read. Like, <laughs> you sound so hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys, I was given a script and I'm way off of it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if, how much Alma's going to put into the to the bloopers of this one, but I had a rocky start getting ready for this. editing this. I think this is just the podcast. We're just going to do it. Oh, she yeah. This, this is just getting posted exactly the way it is. <laughs> but I'm at more of my, my first couple attempts at a start. I get, I get nervous because I feel so uneducated on the topic. But once we get into the cards, I really love what we do here. So please... Please don't uh, feedback that they should kick me out, okay? I like being here. <laughs> Anywho, I have more notes, you guys. Let me continue to read. <laughs> it says, There are at least 13 understandings in the seventh book of sorrow, despite this book ending at nine. So, that should tell you we're not reading all 13. But, hold up, wait a minute. Flavor text of Thorn shows part of 13. So we will so we know there's at least 13. 10. <clears throat> yes. So look out for all of those as we continue. Um, Tevin, I think that's how we all mutually agreed to say this. Tevin Gray, who is mentioned in these cars, goes by another name, Dredgen Bane. This was found from the Ghost Thad fragment the cauldron and he was also mentioned in the shadows of your card so if you want to fact check us on that go to ishtar collective well we're going to read the shadows of your cards well then just keep on listening to fact check us never mind yeah but still major shout out to ishtar collective just feel like Where we should we always mention stuff. Ishtar Collective at least once in all of our podcasts like if we don't just know it's in our hearts yeah, we always all of our all of our yeah. show notes come from Ishtar Collective. So yes, yeah. where we get 
all of our information compiled for us. It's where I get all of my bullet points that I read you guys. <laughs> all right. Um, Elemis's brain. Well, anything else you would like to introduce, or can we get started with the first Shadows of Your card? Yes, but don't let me forget to come back to my one bullet point on first is that re- Is it related to this? No, I mean, like, all the way at the end. I just want to, I just want to mention it. Okay. <clears throat> Sounds good. The You'll have shout-outs. You can throw it in there. Yeah. This is why they only let me host every three weeks, you guys, because I just, I'm sorry. I'm a mess. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, as she mentioned, Tevin Gray uh, is going to be mentioning these cards, but he's also the writer of the entry for Shadows of York. So we are going to go ahead and start with that card. That is a card we actually got in D1. But it sets up a nice introduction for, I think, these uh, the books of the Unmaking. <clears throat> because we get a little bit of a, a viewpoint. So we will start out by reading the Shadows of Your card. Um, and this is a card from the Journal of Tevin Gray. And just thought that this would be a nice introduction into the topic. Uh, because... We get a little bit of the viewpoint of the Shadows of Yore. Of course, someone we've mentioned, well, the group we've mentioned uh, many times before. But this is going to kind of highlight their goals and it'll kind of set the tone for the rest of these cards. So, the Shadows of Yore from the Journal of Tevin Gray. They tried to hide the truth, but we followed its winding path, pieced together the fragmented map of events across time and space. Quite literally, mind you. From Traveler's Shadow to dark corridors beneath the moon and the long, harrowing journey back again. From the sickness inflicted upon the crucible to the breaking of light on the red sands. From a forgotten settlement in the west to the horrors of North Channel and Velor. From the wilds of the Breaklands to the hateful cold of Durga. Finally then, to Dwindler's Ridge, where darkness met pure, angry fire. We've traced your steps from beginning to end and back again. We've studied his reign, the terror he seeded, the violence he wrought as if free of conscience, only to discover a true and terrible thing. He was not simply the monster the legends claim him to be. Though, in finding this truth, we've come to understand the desire to build an armor of false narrative around all he'd done, all he'd become. Yet, that understanding, our understanding of the need to control yours mythology, should not be seen as agreement on the matter. Quite the opposite, actually. When viewed as he truly was, not as he has imagined, we challenge the mythologized depiction of the man who was Dredgen Yor. In our estimation, the monster so many see was, in fact, the best of us. His sacrifice, total. His vile means meant to carve a greater end. They hide this truth because they fear the consequence of those who would dare follow in his footsteps. To tempt the darkness. To allow one's light to be tainted. If you could watch, walk that ledge and not fall completely into despair. And while theories exist to support our or contradict the purity of the gift we wield, yours life offers a glimpse into unexplored possibility. Orsa agrees. He also believes, as I do, 
that there is a manner in which we may be able to replicate yours damnation while avoiding the same heavy toll. We will surely be judged for what it is we are about to achieve, and there will surely come a time when the lone gunman will want words, or worse. But we go now upon an old path, and should we fail, may the light avenge all those we make to suffer. To me, this sounds like it's the madman explaining why he's doing the horrible things he's doing. Like, it's it's not the cult leader himself, but it's like his lieutenant. Yeah. Explaining, oh yeah, we're a cult, but this is why. Like, it's totally chill. But is that true? At this point, they haven't actually done anything. Right. Well, anything that we know of. Yeah, I mean, even up to this point, we don't know that the Shadows of Yore have done anything completely horrible. We have people like Callum, who is like on one far end killing his ghost. Um, as you mentioned, kind of the leader, it kind of, we kind of seems that uh, uh, Orsa, Orsa Vale, or uh, Dredgen Vale, Orsa Zyre, um, is kind of like the ringleader. And then it seems that Tevin Gray, or... Dredge and Bane, it's kind of like the scholar for them. So I definitely see what you were saying for there, but I almost kind of acknowledge, I just wanted to acknowledge, I guess, that in this book they see the fact that Dredge and Yor's mythology was played up. Something that Shin even kind of mentioned um, in the last book, that you know he was kind of a character to be played up. He wanted himself to be scary, but he also wanted to hide who he truly was. And, you know, we have that whole you know, um, like secrecy behind his character. I just kind of like that they are kind of investigating a little bit more into what he was actually trying to achieve and see if they can get similar results, but as they mentioned, without falling over into despair walk, when they're trying to walk that ledge. So I would almost argue that they're not quite crazy yet, but Unfortunately, I mean, they do say that should we fail, may the light avenge all those we make to suffer. So, I mean... Who's casting this veil of secrecy on them? Them or other people? About, well, I mean, them, they're not, they're maybe a little secretive. I mostly meant uh, Dredge and Yor. Very little's like, kind of known. I mean, we just know the stories about... Um, about Yor and... and... Yeah. Well, and, and we've got transcripts of, like, him killing people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, I, I wonder if it was just, like, one or two incidents, and then it's being played up by, like, the Vanguard or something to, to create I'm a boogie. I think, for me, there's kind of two thoughts on this. You know, the one being every rumor has a bit of truth behind it, typically. You know, there's a little nugget. Um, in there, so it could be like you said, it could be that he was played up to be the boogeyman. Or my other thing is, you know, people don't do things in secret because they're good. So if he's trying to kind of keep himself a little bit veiled, there's the thought that it's because he's doing bad and he is the I, boogeyman. I understand that, but the reason, well, uh, Dredge and Yor really wasn't trying. He was the way he was secretive is that he didn't want want to taint the image of the man he was 
Um, so when he basically turned into Dredge and Yor, he like cast off his old self as Resolzir completely. Like it was almost like a, a schizophrenic like split kind of thing. I had mentioned that you know one night it was the last night that he would be the man he was, and from then on he basically assumed a new identity. He didn't want to taint all I guess the good of what he did, but he knew that he was about to go down this dark path. So a- after that point, all he wanted to do was bring hope to people so that he could take it away. He became a much darker figure. As far as the shadows of Yor, I mean, obviously there are shadows because they're in the shadow, but that's also because Shin is trying to kill them. They kind of have to be secretive. And, you know, what they're doing, we, you know, we talked about not knowing exactly if the Traveler's technically good or bad, and we talked about how the dark and the light are just two sides of the same coin. What I see, what they're looking into, is they're looking into a way to harness the power of the dark without being fully corrupted the way Dredge and Yor was. So that's why I don't personally see the Shadows of Yor as being completely bad. Um, however, they acknowledge that they might not succeed. Um, you know, they say that should we fail, may the light avenge all those we make to suffer. And in game, we have Callum, who was a shadow who seemed to go a little too far. You know, he ended up killing his ghost. So he did go down the deep end. But I would argue that somebody at least like Kevin Gray is not quite there. That makes sense. But wouldn't you also say that it's potentially a slippery slope? Oh, for sure. These guys are not maybe messing with things they understand. But Shin just commented on how we were doing something similar um, and what we discussed in our last episode about how we're kind of not black white. Exactly. Which is why I don't think that the Shadows of Yore can be completely cast in a completely evil light. And that's all I'm saying. I think it's interesting to gain some understanding. Yeah, exactly. And let's say maybe... The information that they're trying to gather might not be bad, but their manner of doing it, you know, it's it's the end justifies the means for them. But in reality, the end doesn't always justify the means. If they're, you know, killing innocent people like Dredge and Yor did, and then that's, you know, going too far. So, yeah. But I just think this card really helps kind of set up what their goal is. They're really trying to investigate everything that Yor did, all the knowledge that he got, but maybe try to pull away some of the the darker elements. I mean, as far as the, the negative aspects, not the dark as far as the darkness. They're, it's like they're, they're scientists. They're trying to recreate the same end result with, yeah. without all the negative side effects. Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely what I'm getting out of this. Yeah, and I also would comment on the fact that uh, I think that Tevin Gray is the most level-headed. You know, he's the scholar. He's maybe the warlock of the bunch. Um, you know, Shijin Vale, who kind of seems to be like their leader, he's a little bit more of like the cult leader kind of thing. So I, I think it's interesting to see that you know all these notes that we're going to read are from this one person's viewpoint. So we're kind of getting one side of this group. Yeah. And that's also something to take, like, with a grain of salt. Yeah, because it's, it's going to be everything straight. It's going to be tainted with his bias. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And with that being said, let's jump into the next card. Let's do it. Uh, entry one: cages. One, 
flesh and mind are but cages, become unbound or remain ever unworthy. Two, this flesh, your flesh, is weak, old. Three, handed down by priors unworthy of evolution. Four, had those before been more than common, your flesh would not be this flesh, their flesh, but other, new. Five, new is never given, but claimed. Six, to claim evolution, one must be unmade. Seven, free of cages, flesh and mind. Evolution is claimed only through our unmaking. First Understanding, Seventh Book of Sorrow. These pages and the understandings gleaned are our best efforts at a translation of incomplete discovery. The exact intent of the Hive's ceremony, ceremonies, in regard to their varied ideals regarding evolution is beyond our current knowledge. Nonetheless, we continue to piece together truths from dead words and arcane ritual. The purpose of our efforts, however sinister they may appear, is to grasp the unknown so it may be challenged should the time come when we are faced with its ire. Hand-scrawled note accompanying Tevin Gray's personal translation of ancient hive text. I know I'm supposed to have first comment on this, but what? These are a little confusing. (laughs) Um, So what we have here is two different parts, if you were. Um, The entries, one dash or one dot, one continuing down. Um, Those are, you know, So I'm assuming those are the translations. And then the little blurb underneath is Tevin's. Kind so of these are to it. yeah. So these are referred yeah. to as understandings. So this is the first understanding, and these are basically just little entries, entry one through uh, seven in this first understanding, and those portions are Tevin Gray's translations of old hive text. So these are basically um, entries that the hive had, I guess, probably written for themselves. Um, and we see at the end, it helps them to appreciate that it says uh, the, this, that evolution is claimed only through our making. That these pages, as far as they know, have to do with uh, Hive basically evolving or becoming stronger. So basically each one of these, is we're going to get the direct Hive text, or as best as they can translate it. And then a little explanation about where they got this and what they're trying to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that makes it like a lot more readable um it's odd though um yeah, we might, you might not, not a lot, lot of context from the, uh... like hive wise but um yeah right. i don't know it's kind of weird when i read through those steps that kind of makes me think of um when we were watching stargate atlantis and they talk about you know the ancients wanting to ascend Basically, it's yeah. almost kind of like that. Like, they need to be free of these bodies to evolve and, like, kind of almost moving on to that, like, next plane of ascension. But then you talk about these ceremonies, and I'm like, God, what are they doing? See? that That's a perfect well, analogy. It is, because that's pretty much what the Hive strive for. 
Um, they they strive to perfect each other through the sword logic. So, like, I'm assuming they're not doing that gently. No, they it's essentially death. yeah. Ah. It's essentially survival of the fittest through death. But the hive, the hive ah. are sorry. This might sound like a stupid question for somebody who's. Uh, uh, no, being no, allowed no. to ahead. speak on this podcast. <laughs> um, it's, it's all good. That's not high, what we're here for. Right. We, we'd recently, uh, not recently, several episodes ago actually discussed um, another, I guess we'll call them race, that, you know, the ones that like added arms and had these crazy fights. It was in the ghost fragment stories. A ghost was on like one of their bases or something like that. That wasn't the, the elixir, hive, right? The fallen. The elixir. No, that was okay. fallen. Okay. It just kind of, they also, through battle, achieved more greatness and through fights, achieved more greatness. Well, theirs was more of a, a hierarchy. Where in, okay. um, so what happens for, I, just to kind of explain that, uh, the lowest on the totem pole for the elixir or the fallen are dregs. All elixir have four arms, um, but dregs, their lower two arms are ripped off Ooh. and they're capped. And they're only allowed to regrow those arms back by basically moving up a rank. You know, they move up to vandals, captains, those kind of things, archons. Um, and the way you move up is to just show that you're powerful. So that's mostly just like in, uh, um, you know, you are the strongest, the strongest, you know, you win. That, that card was basically a bunch of cage matches where dregs tried gotcha. to prove that they were, uh, they were something big. What we're talking about for the hive is is you have to understand that the Hive come from a really, really old race. Um, the Hive we know now were originally referred to as the Krill. And uh, we gain this understanding through the Books of Sorrow, um, which is a, another book that we can discuss. Basically, this is what is being referred to as the Seventh Book of Sorrow. Uh, we received books of sorrows that were specifically from the hive um, that were then translated for us to read. And you learn the history of the hive, where they came from. Uh, but a very, very long story, short and semi-simplified, not doing justice. Uh, the hive, the lower class hive, basically their fighting or their killing Fuels power up the food chain uh, until you get to stronger hive. Um, and they can get so powerful that when they're killed, they don't actually die. They are able to have ascended, kind of like you just said, mm -hmm. to another plane of exist existence. The, the throne world, what we've talked about with Mara. That's what she's... Ascendant plane. Yes, the ascendant plane. So Mara has a throne world on the ascendant plane. Um, remember we were oh, okay. playing through we were the other day? That, yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. creepy dark area where yep. things seem to be all really weird? That's yep. an ascendant plane. So all Hive hope to be able to get to a point where they can get to an ascendant plane. However, they gain this power through just killing, through sword logic. Um, you know, to get more... If, if, you, if you die, you, you, you deserve to die. Um, oh, I, I, ironically... Hive don't always die when they're killed, so they get understanding and power through their death. Interesting. And, like, it, the way the Hive work, you know, outside of all that, let's say 
I wanted to become powerful, and you, Mrs. Ivan, are powerful. So if I wanted to be as powerful as you, I would go kill you. And you would get his power, like literally. Uh, they basically have these worms like or parasites in there. there. Well, it's yeah. actually because they have these worms or parasites inside every single hive that feed off of this killing, the energy they they gather. So when you're killing another hive, you're basically getting all of the power that they had inside of them. So it's like a literal energy kind of thing. That's yeah. like really crazy. Yeah, if you play in Who's game, if you yeah, notice, up? Man. No, it's crazy. But <laughs> if you play in game, anytime you shoot a hive, if you notice a, a worm will fall on the ground, they quickly explode, so you might not notice them. But uh, next time you're just like shooting thrall, you shoot a bunch of thrall, and next thing you know, you'll see these teeny little explosions. They're these little parasites that can't survive outside of a body that just pop. More so. specifically, they sp- the worms spawn whenever you get a headshot. Uh, is it headshots only? Yep. That would make, all right. well, that would make sense, but I don't see it that often. <laughs> <laughs> Just I use hand me. cannons. I, I always aim the head, so I'm used to, I guess I see those more. But yes, so that, that kind of explains a little bit. These hive books are going to be very foreign and weird, um, but we might get a little bit of explanation um, through the notes more so than this. But understand that they are trying to get understanding from the hive. So this could go down a really dark path, which is why the Shadows of Yore yeah. are categorized as a, a bad group. You know, this book is talking about basically getting rid of your old flesh. <laughs> your old flesh is weak, getting new flesh. Uh, new is never given, but claimed. So go claim yourself some new flesh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In order to claim this, you have to be unmade. And then finally, you'll be free of cages, flesh and mind. It's uh, a little bit creepy sounding. Yeah, just a hair. Right? Like, this should be a, a tale from the Crypt Keeper or something, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, if we haven't completely hurt your brain, would you like to read the next card there, Mrs. Hyman? Why, of course. We'll get some extra story out of this, I promise. It's not just going to be confusing. Little no, facts. I think I needed, like, all of that set up, like, to be able to fully understand as we go forward. Okay. So that's good. That's good. Okay, so entry two, freedom. One, the mind is complacent. The flesh has made it so. Two, possibility limited by stunted imagination, stunned through familiarity. Three, this comfortable life is no life, fleeting made to decay. Four, those born only to live to be replaced cannot see eternity, nor are they welcomed here. Five, the unwelcome are the unworthy. The unworthy are a disease. Six, cleanse thyself of your decay. Then will the mind be free to understand the value of transgression. Seven, it is sin to carve upon the flesh. But by whose law is your prison made hollow? Mortal flesh is a prison that makes liars of our beautiful caged minds. Second understanding, seventh book of sorrow. Our search began with a legend, Dredgen Yor, the hated scourge upon the guardian's good name. Any attempts to seek details of his deeds were met with dismal. 
The vanguard would not see us uniformly, not just on an individual basis, but by some long-standing internal decree. Lord Shacks came at us with threats. He's very protective of his charge as overseer of the crucible. None of us blame him. The competition is vital to guardian survival, both in the way it forcibly hones skills and how it serves as a necessary dual role as morale booster and stress reliever. There are few places a guardian can let loose like they can in a controlled in the controlled arenas of the shack's quarantine fighting pits. Hand-scrawled note accompanying Taben Gray's personal translation of ancient hive text. All right. So basically what I got out of the hive text was just continuing on with the fact that the body is weak, that it is a cage. The goal is to free the mind. Um, uh, did you guys get any something similar from that? No. Uh, I mean, it, it sounded like a, a weird necromancy version of Doctor Strange. Okay. <laughs> All right, then. Well, then I'll just leave it as that. Um, and then as far <laughs> as Tebin's notes, basically just commenting on the fact that uh, they started to search for Dredge and Yor and that and the Vanguard did not like it. And Shax did not like it. But then I love how it kind of comments on the fact that they enjoy the Crucible and how it's a way to get out stress and boost morale. It's kind of interesting for a lot of shadows to be in the Crucible fighting. I like how, how they say, you know, Shax has, has threatened them, but like none of them actually blame him for it because he's very protective of what he's doing yeah yeah at this point nothing sounds that aggressive it just sounds like nobody will listen to them wanting to look into this old legend you know sometimes it's good to even learn about the bad you know in history class we learn about the bad people um but you know they don't even want this to happen so i mean nothing that they're doing right now seems crazy and then they go as far as saying that they understand why lord shacks doesn't want them involved in that because, well, Dredge and Yor kind of ruined Shax's Crucible. So, so far, they don't sound too insane, uh, even though the hive text is a little odd. Back it up for me a second. How, How did Yor ruin the Crucible? Oh, he killed Guardians permanently. In Crucible? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. So, the weapon Thorn, which was Dredge and Yor's weapon actually drained the light of Guardians and stopped the ghosts from reviving those Guardians. So it was a weapon of sorrow. Remember in our... You've listened to our first episode about the Drifter. Remember we talked about those black creatures that when running by a Guardian could suck their light and their ghosts would not be able to revive them again? I don't know if you remember that. But Mm -hmm. that is basically what he was doing with his weapon. And if you take that weapon into a place where you're actually shooting at guardians, yeah, yeah. Normally in Crucible, we get rezzed. That's why. That's how they explain. You know, the respawn timer. It's a training session. When we die, we're just rezzed. But you go in there with the weapon of sorrow that permanently kills guardians and steals their light. Well, you've just murdered a bunch of guardians, and then a fun game is not so fun anymore. Make sense? Yeah, <laughs> it's no. pretty. Bleak and straightforward, I guess. Yeah. But I wasn't sure if you had anything. I else knew he had killed add. guardians, but I didn't realize it was during Crucible. So that was. Yeah. Yep, yep. Do you have any thoughts 
else on the card other than otherwise? Should we move on? Um, more of a question, if you guys understand this one line. It says, those born only to live to be replaced cannot see eternity, nor are they welcomed here. Do you know to whom they're referring? Well, considering it's the hive, yeah, I mean, it, it makes... It makes me think that it's talking about the act, like any hive that isn't going to be living for all too long. Yeah, so like a cursed thrall or something. That's what I got too. Anyone weak enough who is going to quickly die and not survive doesn't deserve to be at this like higher plane of existence. Gotcha. Yeah, and like as Element said, some hive are like known that they're going to just die like cursed thrall literally are like suicide bombers and funny fact cursed thrall aren't even in the sword logic hierarchy because they are born specifically just to die yep they could be referring to them make sense all right then i shall move us on to our next card that is number three Self. One. Before one can be freed, one must question the truth of their purest identity. Two. And so a question is begged. Who resides at the core of your being? Three. Only honest reflection will see you, lone traveler, through the coming storm. Four. Look, then, clearly upon the whole of your existence and face your glory, strength of will, Every flaw of your mortal heart and fabled soul. Five. Through the pieces of a life lived, divine your truth. But do not lie to the world, if one must, but never to yourself. Six. To see yourself as anything but what you truly are will lead you down sorrow's road, unprepared for the consequence of your salvation. Seven. Once an understanding is met, and the self is purified in the knowledge of its truth, the cage is set to be unbound. Know thyself in honest ways, or falter in light of your truest self. Third understanding, seventh book of sorrow. The search for the truth of yours tale was not easy. If official records exist, they were hidden beyond our purview. And the realities of the legend were tracked only by word of mouth. The fabled Dwindler's Ridge was not on any map, burnt ground where Palamon once stood wasn't marked as anyone's sacred site, and the renegade who'd felled Yor had not been seen for some time following that fated showdown. Despite all of this, we were not deterred. If anything, Orsa and I, and the others who followed, were driven by the difficulty of our chosen task, that a guardian could be, re could be corrupted, our gifts twisted, not by greed or lust or power, but by influences beyond petty human desires was a concern greater, maybe, than any other. Were we not honored with our return because of some inherent nobility? If so, how could one of us, any of us, fall to damnation? Or was this heroic interpretation of our role in the grander scheme nothing more than the surest sign of our blind innocence? After all, it feels good to imagine oneself as a hero, 
morally superior and standing tall on the side of righteous hope. The question I, we, would ask then is simple. How well do we, any of us, truly know ourselves? Hand-scrawled note accompanying Tevin Gray's personal translation of ancient hive text. This is an interesting one. Um, <clears throat> like, I like how it, the first actual paragraph, it, it's talking about how, like, they have no actual evidence in order to follow yours tale. Like, they can't find Dwindler's Ridge or Palamon on any map. There's no actual records or official records. And they can't find Shin. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like yeah, it's been all kind of covered up cover purposely. Up. Yeah, something, basically. It's like that book they claim the presidents have with all the secrets. Dredge and yours in there, you guys. Oh my goodness, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. It's something I saw from like National Treasure or something. <laughs> National Treasure 2. Yes! Oh, man. <laughs> I like tried to play it off like I didn't know which one it was. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be that guy. I Elements know exactly what one you're talking. Almost gets me, man. <laughs> All right. Well, um, <laughs> you guys are, are railroading us hard. Um, did you have more thoughts, Elemis? You sounded like you were like halfway through your analysis yeah. i'm trying to figure out how to word the last half of my analysis because like the entire card sounds like it's just a continuation of the last card you know know yourself mm -hmm. yeah these are almost kind of good like meditation kind of like quotes you know not all these sound as creepy as some or as horrible as other intro entries you know <laughs> right like the the generalized summary quote that's like right in the middle of all this, just looking at those, they're good quotes to live yeah. by. Yeah. You know, know, know thyself in honest ways or falter in light of your truest self. That That's, you know, pretty much saying be yourself, be who you are, know who you are. Yeah. Yeah, I like the one where it's talking about um, look then clearly upon the whole of your existence and face your glory, oh, strength, okay. and will, every flaw of your mortal heart and fabled soul. I mean, it's like, look at yourself. Look at all the good, all the bad. Self-reflect. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, some of these aren't, you know, as crazy as the others. <laughs> and oh, I think God. that... What, what, oh, God. Am I, am I praising the hive now? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Oh, well, that's no. what I was going to oh, say. No. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. This ties into what then his notes were, that they're kind of looking in, they're, that they are questioning the Guardians. They're like, you know, the Hive notes are telling them to look at yourself, you know, self-reflection. And they're realizing that Guardians very rarely self-reflect. We just do what we do, as we've talked about, yeah. without actually thinking about yeah. why. So, you know, he comments on the fact that they want to see if a guardian can be corrupted um, not, not just by a lust for power 
but through greater influences. Um, and then they talk about, do they just, are we just honored with our return because we think we're some nobles that we want to be heroic? Uh, you know, what is our actual motive? So I think they, as we talked about uh, in our past episode, want to know a little bit more about, you know, what their origin of them as guardians. Maybe not necessarily their life before, like, but what were they, but what, what are they there tick? for? Yeah. But, like, can like, we just talk it? about, like, how that plays into, like, the sketchiness of, like, the traveler and of the vanguard? And just, I mean, again, you can't find any records on Dredgen. Is this just, like, a tale that's been blown up to make a boogeyman, to make an enemy? Um, <clears throat> but, like, they don't want us questioning our path, our past. They probably also don't want us questioning why we do what we do. Like, this self-reflection is not what they want. They want, pick up a gun and go. Yeah. Like, I feel like this card kind of plays into that sketchiness of, is the Traveler actually good? I mean, and Yor was real. We have the note, basically kind of like his notes and his uh, conversations with his ghost and that stuff through some of the cards. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of his actions might be, he's, he's, he, he, for all intents and purposes, was pretty horrible. But he let himself get to a certain point. Uh, some of the, you know, but p- partially because he didn't have answers. He stumbled across the hive and found something different than anything he had known. He found power there, and he kind of let it corrupt like him. But the kid yeah. who's way too sheltered their entire life, and the second they come across anything that, like, is even mildly interesting no matter how bad it is they like they latch just go onto it and go 110 percent fall to the wall into it yeah and yeah, i think like that's, that's exactly kind of what like what Lord did yeah i think that describes your actually really well yeah but i think that also reflecting on what you know somebody did you know how did they say the best way to like you know so, you know, that you, you have the quote, like, learn from your mistakes, but, you know, mm-hmm. it's always obviously better to learn from someone else's mistakes. So <laughs> yeah. that's kind of what they're trying to do, I think. But, you know, like, and that's what we're saying, like, at the beginning when we were talking about how you can't necessarily take all of the shadows of your and just be like, they're all horrible people. You've got to look at the individuals. Because, I mean, if they're really trying to semi-go down his path, question things, look at things, understand things, but also learn from his mistakes. Like, yes, they could create this hybrid of something that could potentially land in that gray area that we discussed last week that might actually be acceptable. Exactly. And you notice that all the... On the flip side, even if they do, I still don't think the Vanguard's going to accept it. No, no. I think there'll be a little bit of a split of some type. Okay, what the heck? Uh-huh. Did anybody else just get something pop up on their Skype? Yeah, yeah that, that was me. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Sorry, I I have it on like the main screen to um to mute myself. Uh-huh. And so when it popped up like that, especially with the little caption, I thought Skype was just like, "Hey, you're on a main screen. Maybe you're bored. Here's something fun." <laughs> I didn't understand that, like, the comments pop up on the main screen if I'm not in the chat window. Yeah. Gotcha. No, that was just no. a limit. We, we were talking about, you know, some people learn from their mistakes. Some people learn from mis- the mistakes of others. And that quote, it 
for our listeners, the quote is from Will Rogers. There are three kinds of men. The one that learns by reading, the few who learn by observation. The rest of them have to pee on the electric fence for themselves. Um, <laughs> like, that that just flashed in my head, and I was like, oh, I have to go find that now. <laughs> I have you those moments, too, when we podcast. You know, that seems so kind of random, but that's almost fitting. The shadows of your yeah. are threatening to pee on an electric fence right now. Like, if this goes wrong, it's going to go bad. Uh, right. <laughs> but it's like they, they have to know for themselves. That's true. Uh, yeah, but that's also why they're examining these books, these uh, texts that are straight from the hive. I think they're trying to get some understanding from the source. Oh, that was what I was going to comment on. You notice that uh, he's still referring to himself as Tevin Gray, and he's still re- referring to Dredgen Vale as Orsa. Yeah. Well, so like... Does that mean this is maybe like earlier on before they're too far gone? This is right. very early on, yeah. Like, he's still referring to Orsa. But we don't have anything about where he's referring to himself as Tevin. I mean, he, he signed it. Well, we don't know I'm that he assuming. It. He could have, like, written his well, name in the front of the journal at the very beginning. And then whoever found this transcribed it as such, with his name being his name. But maybe by the time he got to the end of the journal, he was full on dredging. I mean, maybe, but I'm exactly. just saying that early on, we're seeing that they are still investigating your. They're not... They haven't taken his name yet. Just and, a and just a point that I've right, noticed. Right. Yeah, and, and like this could be, like all these translations and all these notes could be happening while they're actually transitioning into, you know, the shadows. Yeah, yeah. Just more. It was more for me, I guess. Like timeline wise, this is this seems to be very very early on. This is not something that was just written. Um, you know, we're just getting this, but this is fairly old. Is that I think that's something we can agree upon. Destiny timeline is kind of hard. Although I was looking ahead, and it's still referring to Tevin Gray, um, and his personal journal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's referred to as Tevin Gray through the rest of these. Um, but yeah, I think that these this whole book was written very very early on in the timeline of Destiny. There's I, I do believe there's some little uh. Things that help us. Oh, yes. The next card actually will help us see a little bit more for the timeline if we want to keep up. And with that, let's just jump right into it. Sounds good. Entry four. Whispers. One. Seek the whispers. They are faint, but they are calling. Two. Not all bone carries the sound of secret truth. Most are fragile hollow things meant only to carry the weight of wasted lives three in the fetid remnants of yearning marrow find a love find a life and in their lies you will discover the narrow road to all you never dreamed to be four however whispers are but sound as is the breeze not all who listen can share its purpose. Five, know thyself, listen well, and do not fear when the whispers carve their welcome. Rejoice. Six, the agony of the cutting word is a boon 
to those who embrace its severed logic. Seven, the cutting word is a doorway. The first syllable of hated salvation. On the path of the hushed tones, the cutting word will guide your unmaking. Fourth understanding, seventh book of sorrow. We found the craft undisturbed in low orbit. Its course synchronized to the exact coordinates of its master's final resting place, some 1,800 kilometers below. We'd suspected an anomaly in its mechanics of, on approach, locking to the faint ping of its nav drive. Our instruments detected a low guttural whine, otherwise lost in the vacuum of the post-atmosphere emptiness between worlds. It's tethering. The fact it was chained to the specific coordinates of the ridge was not directly linked to the craft's onboard systems, but instead to desire. The ship was waiting in pained anguish for his return. The hole was more of husk. Harsh and jagged from the growth, we'd never seen a ship crusted in the bone of unknown death, but were more intrigued than concerned. The whispers started on approach, faint, hushed. Moments later, our ears began to bleed. Hand-scrawled note accompanying Tevin Gray's personal translation. Of ancient hive text. Okay. What are these whispers? Because every time we've talked about whispers, they are never a good thing. There's now I see them mentioned in the hive. Yeah, I see them mentioned in the hive um, translation. And then I also see, obviously, mentioned at the very end there, whereas the whispers began to creep in, their ears are bleeding. So, yeah. I would just say that the hive encouraged to let the whispers in. We can assume Dredgen Yor did that because now his ship is whispering. Mm. Do you think that's what made him go crazy? I would say that's where he got his influence. Um, we have a weapon in game called Whisper of the Worm. It is a sniper rifle that we received. And it has a quote from a hive god who we, quote-unquote, killed, didn't actually die. He talks about how, basically, he basically is whispering to us and how every time we fire off that weapon and kill something, we are feeding his power. Um, and he's kind of, like, whispering at us. So, basically, hive gods, or worm gods, who kind of started the hive... You know, gain are the ones who are gaining the power from this killing. So I guess my, I don't know, kind of theory, kind of take on where the whispers come from. Uh, those are kind of the worm whispering to the hive to what to do. And apparently you can allow that whispering in to anyone, not just hive. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that that's pretty creepy. It is really creepy because, like, we 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 know that um, basically the worm gods are the ones who made those little larvas that go in every single hive. Um, mm -hmm. So all powers eventually goes up to the worm gods. Um, now we've had interaction with a worm god, 
and it kind of Sounding told us that we're kind of. I mean, it, it is. It's a giant pyramid scheme. Uh, we'll have to. Me and you can read the books of sorrow personally. Um, my wonderful leather-bound book in there. Um, time reading. The, the, the grimoire book that mm -hmm. we we I bought. That one has but I'm not the, the to whole. Touch. The one, <laughs> yes, that you weren't allowed to bend the pages on. That one has. The one that you have to come to me to borrow. The whole story. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The one I'll read to you. Um, well, no, we'll just stare at the book and then we'll read it on Ishtar Collective. Just we'll just put the book in front of us as Bye. we open up our iPad. Just kidding. But that, that explains the, a lot of kind of what's going on. But yeah, that's kind of my take of the whis are the whispers they're probably referring to. These are probably whispers from the worms that they have. And I can't say that this Dredgen Yor like took on a worm of his own, but he took on he crafted bones and pieces to clearly his ship and his gun um, that came from those things. So you know, just like the Ahamkara are whispering, the bones of these are whispering, and that kind of might make you think of a very large fan theory that maybe the Ahamkara and the I'd say maybe Worm it's not confirmed, are but it's a kind of the good, like a similar in a way. Yeah, but I'd say like it's not confirmed. But I'd say it's a pretty good assumption, not consumption, but assumption. Um, yeah. That Dungeon My... totally let those whispers in because I mean, oh yeah, I don't know. I just but then like then it makes you question like the other people following him. Like, did they have to For get sure. so crazy? Like, I don't know. There's just so much to wrap your head around in all of this. There's so many yeah. different, like, theories and thoughts and just, like... Well, the one thing night. I wanted to point out... Well, yes, of course, the, the, the hive text here were a little creepy. We have weird things, like a lot of joyful-sounding things. Very culty. A lot of good-sounding things steeped mm -hmm. in really creepy th thoughts. Like, have you ever looked for love and life and yearning morrow? Like, yeah. Okay. That's that doesn't like, sound like something I'm that that one right there really got to me because it's like in the, the feeded remnants of yearning oh. marrow, find love, find life, and in their <laughs> lies you will discover what <laughs> that is like the creepiest like one of those like upbuilding quotes like hang in there <clears throat> only instead of a cat there's just like a dead body with maggots <laughs> in it right like. <laughs> God. I was reading that and I'm like, oh, that's nice. And then I got halfway and I'm like, oh, that's not nice. <laughs> like, look, yeah. we have another. Oh, no, 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 we don't. It's not another nice one. <laughs> so we got a lot of weird quotes like that. But I thought it was, I just liked the thought that uh, the ship, they, um, once again, this yes. is, at, at one point, all these things, as we said, were just. Stories, folklore, mythology, you know, ghost, spooky stories in the night. They found Dredgenior's ship linked to the coordinates of the ridge. They couldn't even find Dwindler's Ridge. So we now have the location. We have his ship. Um, this, and apparently we have his, his well, of course, he, he died here. Um, but it, it's linked to his resting place. So I just thought it was interesting that this ship is just hovering over where he died. So this was a really, really convenient little piece of evidence, I guess, for them. But did you notice what tied the ship there? Not GPS coordinates. 
No, no, no. Anguish. The ship felt pain. How? No. No, 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 no. It, it, yeah, like, it wasn't GPS coordinates or anything, but, like, it was waiting for his return. Yeah. It was just a sad little puppy. (laughs) How creepy is that, though? Our ships just drop us off and fly away. They're all, like, GPS. They're nav drives. They found this ship just... No, our ships are those moms who are just like, see, I'm going to the liquor store. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But if you think about it, our ships and Destiny are just ships. But, like, what I'm getting from this... His ship is that that sad dog just waiting at the window for his master to return. Yeah, exactly. But that's just really weird. It you know? is. Because it is. Yeah, because ships aren't supposed to do that. Yeah, spaceships are not supposed to do that. Cute when and a dog does it. Right? And his spaceship is whispering. So whatever has corrupted him has corrupted everything that he's involved with up to the point that his his ship is basically become hive tech not gonna lie i kind of want to see his, his ship and his sparrow now dude for real but yeah <laughs> um and even crazier they get there whispers start but they're intrigued and they're not <laughs> concerned that their ears are bleeding I mean, baseball? It's not normal? <laughs> Only when I'm happy. <laughs> I feel like I'm. this is an episode of Night Vale right now. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. But anyway, I just, I love this. This is a shout out to another podcast, BTW, for those of you guys who don't know. If you like listening to fictional podcasts, go, go check out Welcome to Night Vale. Yes, it's got a lot of Thank dark. Thank you. Because I was sitting here kind of confused. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's, it's a very Hyven and I, I both know both in all of. I know how you feel now, Mrs. Hyven. <laughs> it is you, a you dark don't even humor know, comedy me. podcast. It's hysterical. I mean, for those of you who listen I'm to us during your work you. day and you're just trying to kill that time, go check that out. Because trust me, it's, it's a good it's way to kill that time. It's also one of the top-ranked podcasts. Um, like on iTunes and that kind of stuff. So I'm sure a lot of people probably know what it is. I yeah. didn't discover it. <laughs> <laughs> you did in our household. You did in our household. I, I, yes, I've been listening to it for years. Anyway, but yes, I really like this card. This is one of the ones that I had, one of the few I had actually looked over previous. Um, and I just thought it was very interesting. We'll find out that this is where they get a lot of information from. We should probably move on. All right. Entry number five. Purpose. One. The whispers are many. A legion of liars and demons set to challenge your resolve. Two. Hear the words, but know they question your truth. Three. The journey forth is not direct, but a shifting maze meant to discard the unworthy. Four. Salvation does not want you. Evolution does not care. Five, the whispers are your guide and your undoing. 
Mark their words, but do not follow blind. 6. To follow blindly is to sacrifice oneself to the abyss, becoming not one, but one of many, another lost soul. 7. The truth of the hushed intent is mired that fools may never know the glories of their grand purpose. Lose yourself not in the whisper's words, but in their purpose. Fifth understanding, seventh book of sorrows. You have to understand, we were so very new to the path we tread. Boarding yours, derelict craft in search of our first answers was the act of children, ignorant to the truths and the dangers that marked our journey. It wasn't until later, when more pieces of the whole were uncovered, that we grasped the reality of the odd white noise gnawing the edges of our thoughts. Any more we called them whispers, but then, in those early days, as we approached and then entered the craft, its kit-bashed roll cage still identifiable, where it wasn't over-crushed in the dark, uneven horror of bone, we mistook their siren call for feedback from a dying ship's failing systems. We were fools. Orsa found the scribbled glyphs on thick leather inside the craft that once long ago belonged to your. We couldn't identify the origin of the writing at the time, much less translate, though we'd all heard the stories of the hive, an ancient evil and an ancient battle that turned Luna into a forbidden zone. Most held them as folklore, scary stories to counteract our natural curiosity and keep brave guardians from venturing beyond their means. And while we had our theories about Dredenure and how his fall was linked to the nightmare tales of wicked creatures born of bone and shadow, we were cautious not to let assumption guide our inquisition. Hand scrawled note accompanying, accompanying Tevin Gray's personal translation of ancient hive text. All right, so this is probably my one of my favorite cards from the from this book, just because we get some uh, some good, we get some maybe some questionable time frames. Uh, what am I trying to think of? Uh, timeline helps with the timeline. Uh, we also see you know, uh, some good information about kind of like their journey. Uh, but as far as some of the notes, I liked number five. Um, no. Yes. The whispers are your guide and your undoing. Mark their words, but do not follow blindly. And then six, to follow blindly is to sacrifice oneself to the abyss, becoming not one, but one of the many, another lost soul. So I think that these books were written by a hive who was higher up. Um, we know that Oryx, Sabathun, Zivurath, um, the three kind of like heads of the hive, were, are always, were always trying to trick their worms. So the hive have to are follow, they have, they're basically bound to the will of the worms inside them that request life force so that they don't die. They're always looking for ways to trick the worms. So in my mind, I kind of look to this as they acknowledge these whispers, 
but following them blindly, even the hive acknowledge is foolish. Uh, um, so I just kind of like that little bit that uh, the hive are inf- informing us that the, the whispers are coming from something greater than the hive, that they learn from those whispers, but they don't follow them straightforward because the wishes sometimes lie, which just once again just makes me think of the ahamkara and my personal brain theories go a little crazy. But yeah, that's what I, I liked about that specific card. Um, any other thoughts on the, I don't know, what are we calling this, the, the hive portion? I like the, the third part of it. The journey forth is not direct, but a shifting maze meant to discard the unworthy. Yeah, that was kind of cool, actually. That is good. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely liked a lot of the lines in here, but I, I don't know what I'm focusing on is the other blurb from Tevin. Do you get, like, a serenity feel from this blurb? Who, me? Yeah. Yeah, I just had Mrs. Hyven watch Serenity. <laughs> you know what Serenity or Firefly yeah. are? Yeah. Um, like, yeah, I no. totally feel like the Serenity story in that, in that blurb right there. What portion? It talks <clears> about, like, shift? the war. Shift? No, oh. it talks about the war and how it turned it into a forbidden zone. You know, it became like this weird, like scary story thing where people didn't really know, but like you didn't dare to go out there, like only to find out that it was actually like this other like situation. And I don't know, it kind of gives me like a serenity vibe. Oh, I never even really thought about that, but that is definitely true. Well, that's why, why I said I like this card because it helps with the timeline. Um, we know when we first started in Destiny, well, maybe we don't all know, but if you've played Destiny 1 at the very beginning, we are the ones who, we've awoken the hive. A lot of people probably remember Ghost yelling, you've awoken the hive! Um, because up to that point, people thought the hives were just, the hive was just a fairy tale. Um, we kind of knew that the hive existed, but we thought the hive were gone. So these, they're so very early on that the hive are just stories to them. So this is long before us. This is, I mean, heck, would you say this is even, like, before the city as we know it is really, like, properly formed? I mean, well, actually, it was after the city was formed, but before, yeah, it was after the, before the current formed. time where we, we were introduced, any of the stuff that we've done. Yeah, it, it was after the city was formed because... It would have um, been after probably Crota. You think that's the battle on the moon they were referring to? This is, yeah. Yeah, Um, that's what I thought too. This is after the consensus met and actually forbade everybody from from going to the moon. Yep, Um, that's exactly what I was thinking Which was a direct effect of, um, I think it was called Burning Lake? The Battle of Burning Lake? Battle of Mar Imbrium and Burning Lake, yeah, where Crota basically just killed tons of yeah um, guardians. The guardians were sent to go fight off Crota, and it didn't go so well. But right. yeah, I'm pretty. But yeah, but after that, Luna was for, a forbidden zone, and they were just whispers. But that was a really, really long time ago. So that I just that just shows us when this book was was written. Then. Um, and then also notice that they mentioned that Orsa found basically, I guess, what we're reading as scribbled glyphs on thick leather inside the craft that once belonged to Yor. Um, that kind of just makes me once again think of that 
Yor had written, had written, (laughs) goodness, I'm sorry, had wrote or written some hive text in his own journal um, that they couldn't even translate them at the time. So I wonder where they uh, learned to translate because they're doing it now. I know. And why didn't they come back and put that into this? Like, come on, guys. Well, the translation, well, that's exactly what we're reading. These one, two, three, four, that's what they they found. Those are the scribbled glyphs of yore. So those portions are what they found on the craft. Um, That first section of everything we're reading or were the notes they found on the craft. The second part is his uh, discussion about their adventure. Okay, so this is him translating this book. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just originally when they found these, they couldn't translate them. So they found this stuff a long, long time ago, and then they later translated it. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. And I like how they... That explains also a little bit. They don't sound as crazy. Uh, they didn't know what the whispers were. They thought it was some weird feedback. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But still, if my ears are bleeding, I'm probably going to leave. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you think that some some answer that you've been looking for that you can't find anywhere, you might risk it for short-term exposure. It's just like radiation and low doses won't kill you, but high doses will. I guess I like the, the, there's pros and cons to what they thought they, they would find there. something very important to me. Well, well, I think they're full-on fanboys. This is pretty important. Well, and like, we don't know how long they've been searching. Um, they, yeah. We don't know if they still have their ghosts because they've still got their ghosts. Then it's like, all oh, right, why, why bother? It. Yeah, like I'm fine. Don't really care. Yeah, because yeah. up to this point, the hive are just like are really nothing to them. They don't know a lot of. They know that your could take away light, but they're not super familiar with the fact that a lot of hive have like you know this kind of power. Cool. So, so I would think that they're not as worried. Which is why, they, but they, they mentioned that at the beginning, they were ignorant children. They had no idea what they were getting into. I shall read our next card. You guys ready to move on? Yep. Yep. All right. This is number, we are on six. Yes. All right. Six. Focus. <laughs> One. Once the word has cut its meaning upon the very essence of you, there will come an understanding of potential. Two, when imagined, your potential will infect and spread. Three, it will be the all of you, all-consuming and the promise of all you can be. Four, do not allow yourself the confidence of all you hope to achieve. Five, if you dwell on what which is beyond your grasp, you will lose sight of the whisperer's purpose. Six, and your end will be an end and nothing more. Seven, maintain your truth from first cut to last embrace, where all you will achieve shall be the echoes of your scream against eternity. Let go of all that is to come, so linger there on the promise of rewards yet earned. We'll see you lost, never to return. Sixth Understanding, Seventh Book of Sorrow. Standing on the ridge as the sun fell, Orsa and I held a silent communion. 
I remember peace in that moment, peace and acceptance. The course we had set was not frivolous curiosity, but a real, solid, important investigation into an outlawed tragedy that had claimed one of our forebears. Who was your, not just at his end, but prior, before madness had consumed him? Could his life inform our own? Could its lessons prevent any other from such a violent downfall? We'd been warned there were no answers waiting down this road, only sorrow. Standing there, the faded light, the tall grass, and the scorched circle where a villain was gunned down and nothing grew. The weight of answers to come was not our concern. The understandings earned on the journey forward would be their own reward. Every step would make us new. Every discovery would further our grasp of the unknown worlds beyond the light. Anscrawled note accompanying Tevin Gray's personal translation of ancient hive text. This might just be me, but like, does it seem like it's just Orsa and Tevin going around trying to investigate this? At this point, I would, I would say, I yeah. That feel too, yeah. I think that these are the original two. Right. Like, it, it feels like a very small fire team just going around rather than, you know, 10 or 15 people. I mean, at the very beginning, I mean, some, the earliest card we have referring to the Shadows of Yore in D1, it talked about two parties, Dredgen Bane and Dredgen Vale, who were Orsa Zire and um, Tevin Gray. So I I think these were the original two who decided to go on this mission. Especially if this isn't necessarily something they're supposed to be doing. Right. So it Kinda makes sense easier that it's to yeah, sneak I, around in a smaller group. Yeah. I mean, I always viewed the Shadows of Yore as a larger group of like kind of maybe us people who are trying to get the Dredgen title. But as far as the real shadows, I always thought of them as being like a handful that like these original two got people like Callum and maybe a couple others, um, you know, but I always thought of them as a really, really small group. It's not a big, yeah, it's not a big group. I think like Shin sometimes makes it seem like they're just corrupting everyone, but they're a small, but I would also say that they, do they really sound as foreboding and like horrible and violent and evil as you've kind of led to been to believe they seem kind of like peaceful scholars in a way. Yeah, just kind of like like I think of it like as maybe a journalist trying to get to the bottom of a story yeah at this point that's exactly what they are yeah I I could see that and I mean they're still going against the vanguards you know policies for this yeah yeah Um, but that's what I think makes it think to me is like like the the renegade journalist trying to get the story even when they're told to stop yeah yeah i wouldn't say that they had negative intentions at this moment they want yeah. answers i mean exactly. they exactly it said they held a and, solid the silent sorry. communion there they're just i was sorry go ahead i think it's normal too you know to, to want those answers to want to know the truth um you know i mean we were talking about that like when it came to the amakara and, you know, them being able to give us, like, that truth of, like, our life beforehand and whatnot. And I think just, like, you know, I mean, obviously, guardians and 
everyone in the Destinyverse are just, well, not everyone. Some are awoken and some are, um, whatchamacallit? Exos. Thank you. Yes, exos. But you know what I'm saying? I think it's like there's a natural human desire to want to know the truth and to have understanding. Um, You know? And so I I don't think it's crazy that they want this information. Um, Maybe what they do with it after creates the craziness. But, you know, for myself personally, like, I understand being fed stories from multiple parties and different sides and and just wishing I could get to the bottom of it and know the actual truth. And I think maybe, yeah, if I had the opportunity to go on the right adventure to find that, I I think, yeah, this would be kind of... Yeah. I don't know. I think when I look at it in, like, something that I can actually relate to, it doesn't seem as crazy. Yeah, and right. like we and said, like, this is really early on. Yeah, like this is early on. It's this is before all the craziness. Before it, and like this is just the perspective from one of the the shadows. We haven't seen any actual acts that would be deemed, you know, dark or evil. Yeah. So, like, I'm starting to wonder if. And, and, like, this is beautifully written because it's making me start to question who's actually right. <laughs> I've been questioning for a little while, but, yeah, I I agree. And, you know, because when I think back, we don't have anything other than Callum, who was off kind of by himself, for all we know, could have been ostracized. We don't have anyone, like, killing their ghosts or killing guardians. We have people who were pushing the limit in crucible who were trying to craft these new powerful weapons who talked about how they were going to craft themselves into weapons of sorrow nobody's like tried to murder guardians you know what i'm saying um i mean i think again it goes back to us talking about like destiny is really setting something up here yeah well i mean (laughs) shin sees them and and he sees dredge and yore and he sees what could happen and I think mm-hmm. he is just not allowed to let that happen again. But I don't know if they're there because he, see, he saw our guardians as the same and then we didn't do that. So who's to say that all the shadows are too far gone? I mean, chances exactly. are that some of them are going to end up like your and those are probably going to have to be taken care of. But some of them, they might be onto something. I mean, they talk about here. Oh, go ahead. And I think that's, that's actually where the the huge conflict is coming from because like you said shin saw your and all the the problems that came with that and now you have a cult that's following the teachings of your so like he sees the issues that could arise and that's why he's hunting them down yeah he's trying to he's his theory is it's better to be safe than sorry why just deal with this stuff let's just put an end to it and they're thinking no it's not Learn all this knowledge. Let's learn from it first. Yeah. Well, and you know, you have the saying: if you don't learn about the history, you're bound to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't necessarily know if Shin's method of moving forward with this is correct. You know, I think maybe 
in the beginning, at least their, their idea was right. You know, let's, let's learn what happened here and see what we can do to fix it. And I think we also learned that though about Shin last week, we saw he's very black and white, you know, no, there is right. And there is wrong. I know it's right. So we're not moving forward with learning from anything or changing anything. But do we notice that, but also he grew he at the yes. end realized that there By the could end, be gray. You know, the card was talking about, yeah, gray. So, you know, it, it shows, like I said, I, I feel like Destiny is setting something up. I feel like Bungie is setting something up to potentially go in this different direction. Um, you know, there's been all those rumors. <clears throat> there's been all the rumors about, you know, teetering towards the dark or choosing the dark over the light. And I think this shows, you know, maybe there's the new direction isn't necessarily picking light or dark. It is maybe blending just kind of like, yeah, blending, blending the balance. You know, yeah, that would so be maybe, cool. Yeah, yeah. Cause, yeah you know, maybe it's they, not going really to be. We, we choose something. to be a dark guardian, mm-hmm. or a, yeah, we might combine and become something brand new. Maybe we're the first ones to get it right. Exactly. Walk Especially that because they've already set our guardian edge. up, kind of in that that vein. Now that's actually hold on. That's actually my point from Forsaken. So clearly, apparently, I haven't finished it. But from my understanding of it, um, we don't see who kills Aldrin. Um, no. Do we admit to it later? Why is this assumption that we did it? Petra was there. Um, nobody. So I mean, well, te- uh, it's not clarified. I don't and know if it's assumed that we did it. It's- it's not specifically stated, but if you listen to the sound of the gun that the water's off, aces, yeah, but it's so kind of, it my... definitely didn't sound like Vestian Dynasty. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, I mean I agree. That's what everyone said, but yeah, at the end of the day, we're not sure who pulled the trigger, and, but that's and nobody what I'm in game so... actually clarifies that answer. And I think that that's kind of something that's kind of cool what Bungie's doing too, because again, all of these little things are setting it up as like we could go this way, but we could also go this way, and like again, like you said, like your guardian could be the one who finally like accomplishes that right balance of in between, well, but maybe it didn't do that, and maybe it's staying in the light. Maybe it didn't kill somebody in cold blood like well, you know yeah but you like you said you just played what would, would aldrin say before he got killed that you know there's a fine line between this light and dark um and aldrin basically combined light and dark he he actually combined light and dark and that's how he brought this yeah um, mm-hmm. this thing in right um and he obviously went too far but he proved that you can combine those two and do some pretty interesting stuff um you know Maybe we are trying to walk a similar path. Just you know, so so even Aldrin's doing something similar. So we definitely see like dark and light being mixed. Like it is possible. Uh, what results has a lot of different like ways it could go. But I mean, I guess as far as this card is concerned, we they're not quite sure what's even going to happen yet. The only thing I wanted to mention before we get too far is that. They said that this was not just frivolous curiosity, but this was something real. They wanted to investigate on basically this outlawed tragedy on who he was, what made him who he was. And they even go as far as describing the area. They talk about the scorched circle where a villain was gunned down. They don't say where our Lord and Savior was killed. <laughs> they recognize Dredge and Yor as a villain. So they're not trying to emulate him as a cult leader, 
but more of a they want to investigate what happened. He was super powerful. He gained the ability to just cut out light, like, and he he gained this from Hive, who nobody had known for a long time. So they're just curious, just to know the truth and see what his power was. But they acknowledge that he was a villain, and they're not trying to become villains necessarily. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, what happens eventually? Maybe you know we don't know. Your didn't succeed, so who's to say that there is a way to succeed? Only time will tell that. But you know, I guess that's just me trying to be have an open mind. I don't necessarily personally think that the shadows of your are evil. I used to think they were, but once I kind of started, maybe their cult is getting to me. Maybe Bungie's writing is really good, but like kind <laughs> of. The more I've learned about them, like the more I've kind of like sided with them a little bit. Makes me feel warlocky. Oh god, I feel like Tolan. We need to move on. <laughs> <laughs> Come to the dark side. All right. Entry seven. Joining. One. As the whispers grow, madness threatens the edges of your sanity. Two. The flaying comes not by blade, but through the joining of flesh and bone. Three, the bone will find purchase, taking hold of what once was weak. Four, to force the joining is to abandon focus. Five, allow the flesh to give of itself, that it may surrender to the coming evolution. Six, grant yourself patience. Your prison of the flesh is being unmade. Your mind freed. Such glories do not come easy. Seven, there will be no peace now, not for some time. Only through a joining of the known and unknown can your path be made new. Seventh understanding, seventh book of sorrow. It was some time later when Orsa came to me with writings from a cryptarch's archives. We'd spent a long while attempting to translate the glyphs found on your ship to no avail. Great care was taken in the furthering of our investigation. We weren't hiding our work, per se. But it was not advertised. We'd been scolded and warned enough times that we knew to continue our efforts in private as best we could. By this point, the Vanguard ranks had shifted. Brask was no fan of our work, but he was reasonable. His exo-replacement was more pointed in his dismissal. A byproduct of his relationship with Lord Shax, I'd imagine. But that's neither here nor there. We'd traded with many cryptarchs over the years. And Orsa had long since made it a point to get on their good side. Even still... It took some convincing and full-on bribery to eventually get hands on the tomes needed to crack the mystery of their arcane texts. The books and writings we secured from the tradesmen were incomplete and mostly scholarly guesswork. But there were enough translations and competent theories to provide a foundation for our own interpretations. It wasn't long before the pieces started to fall into place. We still had much to learn, 
but we were certain of a few key ingredients. Yor had been to Luna. Whether his corruption began there or led him there was still unknown, and the glyphs he'd etched spoke of a great unmaking, the truth of which would be our own. Hand-scrawled note accompanying Tevin Gray's personal translation of ancient hive text. Okay, so all of that is just fabulous. But that last line there is so beautifully written. Like, to just make you want more of this story. Oh, yeah. What? That's a great line. Spoke of a great unmaking, the truth which would be our own. No, not just that. All of that, where Yor had been to Luna, whether his oh, corruption began line, there or yeah. led him there, was still unknown. And then going on to talk about like their potential unmaking as well. Because yeah. I mean, what it sounds like, because that was the first thing that they understood, just unmaking. They didn't quite yeah. understand everything else. Right. And that's a kind of a, like, if that was the first word you, you're looking Turn for back. answers. <laughs> yeah, well, no, just like the first word that you receive when looking for answers is he talked about a great unmaking. How do you unmake yourself? Like that is literally <laughs> what your did. He completely changed his personality. He completely unmade everything that he was up to that point. He was a clean slate for the whispers. That's crazy. Well, and, and even then, so like if you're reading about a, a great unmaking, like my first reaction would be, what the hell is an unmaking? You know, what is this non-existing? Mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's not even completely clear once we have these full translations, really. Right. Um, we've gone from flesh is weak, get rid of it, to listen to whispers, <laughs> but don't listen to all of the whispers. Reflect on yourself. Um, become powerful. And now the whispers are going to make you crazy. Um, things are about to get difficult. Um, you're getting new flesh. Like, you know, there's a lot going on. <laughs> well, and like, you have to remember that this is all written for Hive. Yeah, that probably makes more sense to them. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, you could also see why your whatever he got from this. You might have not got a complete understanding. Which could also explain why he went completely insane. Yeah. Maybe he didn't. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, oops, we missed. We uh, Our translation was wrong. That one word that said, go down into the darkness. It was supposed to say, run away from the darkness. My bad. <laughs> that word can mean two things. It's really hard to translate. <laughs> it's like when they're like, it can mean your father or it can mean goat. Exactly. <laughs> I liked once again timeline. We have that they started their work when Andal Brask was um, Vanguard mentor, and so that's and that he was, was just nice. replaced by uh, Cade. Yep. Soon after, and this is when they were just starting to translate. But it did say it took. It was sometime later when they started this, so they probably found this stuff. You know, I'm thinking maybe like early on. When Andal was a vanguard leader. It was a long time ago. They've been in secret for a while. And we're so that means that they just now started acting out 
to where like Shin and Ikora are watching them in the crucible, you know? Yep. <clears throat> so a lot is happening between these periods of time. Well, maybe it's right. time we get into the next entry. Secrets. All right. Of all of that is. Alrighty, so this is entry eight. Secrets. And let's see. Hun. The whispers hear you. Some say they always have. Two. All you have learned from the quiet words pales to the secrets you scream as your cages start to bend. As the old you starts to break. Three. The whispers listen. The whispers learn. Four. Every shrill agony etches a map of the mortal condition. Five. Every wicked cry adds to a vast tapestry of understanding. Six. In your pain, the whispers find their answers to your worth. Seven. When the flesh is gone and only bone remains, there will be no secrets left to scream. No pain that it may teach you all you never imagined possible. Eighth understanding, seventh book of sorrows. Unmaking. For the longest time, we thought it was a threat. But as our work continued, and we deciphered more and more of the glyphs, we came to see it as something more, a promise. Yours etchings were a roadmap, arcane and cryptic, but with specific intent. Old research hinted at mysterious tomes labeled as Books of Sorrow. It was theorized by researchers long before our time that the hive had, ha that the hive had their own set of holy texts, evidence of which had been gathered before the Great Disaster. These books were believed to be archives of hive ritual and history, chronicling royal bloodlines and varied ceremonies and rites of passage. We were uncertain of the place yours etching held and the overall picture of hive legend, but they fit our understanding of these fabled books. As such, through hubris or educated conclusion, as a distinction I'll leave to others to decide. We chose to collect our translations in accordance as a new entry into the supposed Library of Sorrow, a seventh book we call it. And writing this now, upon reflection, and the last days before the next stage of our journey, I believe, I know, we were right to do so. Hand-scrawled note accompanying Tevin Gray's personal translation of Ancient Hive text. All right, so then we see then that these journal entries he is writing later because he goes on to say that as writing this now upon reflection, he realizes they were right to do so. So I, that kind of answers our original thought at the beginning for, you know, when was he writing this stuff? So um, up till right before whatever the next stage of their journey was, they were still referring to themselves as by their, their given names. I thought that was interesting. Um, but also, we have a call it to the Books of Sorrow. So this explains where this takes place, the Books of Sorrow. So they don't have the Books of Sorrow, but they theorize that they exist. We do now have the Books of Sorrow. In game, they were given to us. Um, and 
they basically took these writings that they found from yore and compiled them into their own book of sorrow. So that's why the seventh book of sorrow, the book of the making, is so it's it's almost like a book of poetry. It's a bunch of just little lines um, because unlike the books of sorrow, which is a grand story, this is just little lines of text that they translated and compiled into a basically um, volume. Yeah, these little lines in this one are creepy. Yeah. Like, Whispers hear you. They always have. Like, I don't know. As I was reading yeah. it, like I felt like um, ah, we've been watching Gotham and basically Joker's character has this little sidekick. I love how you quote just it. our other shows and podcasts yes. and yes, books. I and <laughs> yes. We're all um, over the place. I like it. No, but there's that girl in it, you know, the one that's like. The, the one, one that who's you got think the bullet in her head? Yes. <laughs> the one who yes, clearly one. can't be Harley Quinn because it just wouldn't be right. But yeah, they seem like she is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's got the bullet in her head. That one. Like, as I was reading it, like, I started, like, tilting my head like she kind of does in the show. Because, like, I don't know. Like, it just kind of, like, the creepiness, like, took over. And I started feeling like, like, I don't know. These are all things, like, she would say. And, like, I don't know. It was just, these ones are weird. <laughs> Like, it, I mean, this one got me. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I, I'm sitting here going, wow, this is this is starting to get really intense. Right? I mean, come on, guys. I mean, the, the, the things we've learned are nothing compared to the secrets we scream as our cage bins. And the old you starts to as break. I was reading it. I was just like, yeah. like, how does that not sound like that chick? Like, that sounds like a line that chick would say. Like, because she's just so, like, weird and psycho and creepy and, like, just on the edge of, like, complete well, insanity. Know. Like, and that's what this is. But, you know, <laughs> usually how often do the words of... In- okay, so those kind of things are either like the words of the insane are either truly insane or they're just something that we can't understand. Right. Well, we talked about that. There's always like a fine line between like somebody who's actually psycho or like knows something like more than like greater than can be explained to us. Like, Mm -hmm. what is this? Right right now it's all insanity to me, but yeah, somebody's getting something out of this. I (laughs) I would think. I'm like loving these like, terrifyingly creepy. It's like they're tempering themselves though because every shrill agony etches a map of the moral of the mortal condition. Every wicked cry adds to a vast tapestry of understandings. That's right right back to the sword rot logic. They get more understanding and strength just through action, through uh, the learnings of, of failure, every pain, every sorrow. They they get more understanding and they're conditioning themselves. They're like they're like tempering their brains and their bodies in order to become stronger like i'm kind of understanding now what unmaking kind of means i don't know if that means i'm going a little crazy but like (laughs) all right toland calm down (laughs) um you know though you can kind of understand a little bit like they're like i don't know they're they're putting on a new them so so like i really am enjoying the small quotes that are ending these understandings. Yeah, I am too. Those are uh, those it, the, the quote for this one is, no pain that it may teach you all you never imagined possible. Oh, right. That, 
that sounded like culty and cut uppy. Well, like it, it, it <laughs> not does. even like physical pain. Well, like it, it does in the direct reading, but like if you stop and think about it, yeah. <clears throat> when you're going through something in your life and you know it's difficult, it's tough, you don't know if you're gonna make it, you start pulling strength right. from places you don't know how you you did. So like I see a real world application for this. But like Yeah, I I'm I was getting the same thing out of it. Yeah, well that's like a thousand times less creepy. I mean, see, but that's why I think, like, I sound like the psycho, because I'm, like, actually starting to get right? a little bit out of these these readings. Like, you, right. surface level, you sound like a psychopath, like, cutting themselves and, like, <laughs> like, shedding their cocoon and forming into a new, beautiful person and embracing the whispers and agony. But, like, when you actually <laughs> read into it, it's, like, this pain that you have gone through, that you've experienced... You will learn more than you ever thought you ever could have learned. You know, that these whispers exactly. that you've been hearing have been guiding you. Maybe it's almost it's almost like your conscience that is guiding you. Like, you know, like I'm getting like almost like real world kind of points from some of these. Even oh, yeah. the, I mean, I will so give you that. Like there are some of these little like snippets where like if you look at them through less crazy eyes, I think they do have. Um, some some good points actually, but I don't dude, know. even the one that I just made fun of earlier. All you have learned from the quiet word pales to the secrets you scream as your cage starts to bend, as the old you starts to break. Have you ever had like a life changing experience where like all that you had learned, you just like are like screaming out at the old you kind of thing? I don't I don't know if if that relates oh, to yeah. anyone, but like oh for sure oh yeah, it's like. I remember I, like I was reading a journal that I wrote four years ago and as I read it all I wanted to do was just tell myself like dude it gets better like don't waste your tears on this yeah oh yeah so, so like I, that's what I'm getting out of this what like you know did they talk about when they first read as you said before Elmist when they saw unmaking they were like is this a threat we're gonna be unmade are we gonna get killed but then you know, you go into it and you realize that, like, this is probably just part of, like, as they mentioned, like, the Hive's holy text, basically recommendations for ways to better themselves along with the history of their people. Like, it's not entirely as psycho as it originally started to be, <laughs> which is bad because we need to end this because we are done for. Elemis has already got the dredging title. <laughs> right. <clears throat> At this point, I'm I'm well on my way to being unmade. <laughs> um, uh, my only thing is, how how do you guys feel about the them making their own book of sorrow, labeling this as the seventh book? And like, I actually kind of like that. Th like, yeah. they just picked seven because they were like, we don't know how many there are. Just in case that was my like thing. a high number. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was my thing. How did they choose seven? Do you remember how many books of sorrow entries there are? Uh, there's something like 40, I want to say like 47 or 52. Yeah, I don't remember the exact number, but I just wonder where in the world they chose seven from. I think it was more of just like, they, 
the hive were were fairy tales to them. They were folklore, so they didn't know anything about the books of sorrow, except that there is a reference to books of sorrow. Yeah. So where they got seven, right? Like seven was probably just pulled out of thin air, but they were like, if there's, they love seven. Yeah, like stepping back outside of the actual story, seven was chose because of Bungie. But um, it, as far as in lore reasoning, it, it was probably just that they picked a random number. Yeah, that's true. And they, they, they would have figured, you know, 12 or 13 was kind of a too many. Or, I mean, yeah. you, you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, they had no clue. And they just figured it was a number that would maybe work. I don't yeah. know. I yeah, I understand. I mean, maybe they figured it would be high enough that it wouldn't overlap with something else. Exactly. Yeah. Either way, I mean, I think this is fitting to be called a seventh book. Like, it's definitely kind of it's definitely very different than the um books of sorrow, but it kind of follows a similar scheme. I suppose. So it's similar, but it's different enough. Yeah. But just keep in mind that the books of sorrow are called out by the hive to be their books, whereas this one is made by humans. So these are technically all considered book the books of sorrow, but the seventh book is was added at a later date, not part of the original. That was basically it. Alright. I'm gonna go ahead and read the last card. And that is number nine, Embrace. One, as the old self falls away, there will be only suffering. Two, none can sustain in the face of absolution, yet evolution demands sacrifice. Three, pain must be accepted as the new constant, or pain will be the all of you. Four. As the white noise of your screams drowns the whispers, you will feel alone. You are alone. Five. Is this eternity or oblivion? Six. You will see yourself outside yourself, and you will long to embrace this new evolution, a beacon on the far end of lost hope. Seven. Yet, you will know through the pain, through the fear, there is no longer a you that was, only what comes next, and all the pain to follow. Do not linger on the coming embrace. Your unmaking is yours alone, a solitary journey devoid of peace. Ninth Understanding, Seventh Book of Sorrow. Any guardian with interest in old nightmares has heard stories of the weapons of sorrow, deadly tools said to be infected and warped by twitched, twisted science verging on mysticism. In particular, Thorn, the cursed weapon of the light killer, Dredgen Yor. But such tools of destruction were only rumor. There was direct evidence of Yor having been a vile bastard, but the legend of his sickly weapon and the disease it spread seemed exaggerated. Another ghost story to warn off unknown dangers. But our translations of ancient hive text 
seemed to point to truth in the legend. The hive had rituals for forced evolution, and what we found hinted at transmutation through corruption, degradation, and rebirth. The weapons of sorrow were real. Worse, they were a roadmap to a greater threat, a greater evil. And with this realization, our determination to uncover yours full truth was bolstered by new, terrifying questions. What if the horrors of yours deeds were not the end game? What if his evolution was simply the byproduct of a grander design? What if he was nothing more than a side effect of an ancient arms race, and the weapons we feared from days long past were nothing more than touchstones on a roadmap devastation beyond anything we can imagine? What if sorrow was just a pit stop on the road to our coming annihilation? And scrawled note accompanying Tebin Gray's personal translation of ancient hive text. That's intense. Yeah. Um, like, my eyes keep going back to, you know, worse. They were a roadmap to a greater threat, a greater evil. Yeah. And, like, I'm just sitting here going, holy crap. If Thorn was just a pit stop, what's next? Right. They really know how to end a card. Okay, yeah. but what, what about the proto-Thorn that was being crafted in the last word mission? Let's not maybe talk we're going to get maybe we're going to get Thorn back, but maybe Thorn played its part well, and it's just a stepping stone for something more powerful. Well, and like we don't know if There's we're truly getting, getting thorn another back. exotic. I like, think we, yeah, that's true. I'm thinking we're gonna get thorn back. There's supposed to be two exotic quests. What if we yeah. get another weapon of sorrow? Like a new one? Yeah. Uh, well, whisper. Oh, sorry, thorn's not so, the only whisper of sorrow. Um, it's weapon just of sorrow. Yeah, whisper, <laughs> weapon of sorrow. Whispers. Oh God, they're hearing, hearing the whispers. I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, w- weapon of sorrow refers to a, a a like type of weapon, as they kind of explain. So, we're, we're probably still gonna get the same thorn back, just game wise, because everyone wants thorn. But like lore wise, thorns kind of just the stepping stone. I'm thinking maybe we'll get a second gun, a second weapon of sorrow. That could be completely different from thorn. But, like, the thing in in my head is more of just, like, I I go back to what I said before. You know, if Thorn was leading up to something, what's coming next? Well, uh, mine's not even the fact that it was a weapon. Yeah, this this fabled weapon, when they realized it existed. But if you think back to when Rezel was corrupted, he was, like, incentivized to do everything he did. So that he could be infected. So I keep coming back to what if the horrors of yours deeds were not the end game? What if his evolution was simply the byproduct of a grander design? And that brings me into the fact that the shadows of your later comment on how the weapons of sorrow were not the guns. The weapons of sorrow were the people who wielded them. So my thought is if Yor was just the stepping stone, not for 
a different weapon, but a new class of. But for the shadows mm. themselves. Not yet, just the shadows, but maybe what the hive wanted, or the hive want to incorporate the guardian's power into their own. Like, we're talking about us infl- uh, bring it, taking aspects of the darkness. What if this is just a large scheme by the hive to just corrupt us all? Like, I think that's almost what they're realizing here. Like, this once again points me to the fact that they're not crazy. Like, this. This freaked them out when they realized all this. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. But we know this isn't the end of their story. You know? No, no, of course. So my thing is, looking at them from this perspective, how did they end up where they are? But we still don't know that much about them. As far as where they are now, they haven't actually done anything. But they took on the Dredgen title. And it sounds like to me that everything that that kind followers of followers like, terrified them. Yeah, but they were followers of scholars of your. You know, they didn't name themselves your. The you know, it's like they were the they're the followers of his way. You know, like it is an interesting topic, I guess. Like they want to follow him, but not, not exactly. It's like they want to improve. Yeah. I mean, they recognize he's a monster, so it's kind of weird to name yourself after them. I do understand that. But at the same time, like, he's the only model that's existed for them. So it's kind of fitting that they have to be named after the only person who's ever, you know, been like that. They don't have, they can't name themselves after the good version. There isn't one. Right. Like, they see the path and they want to tread that path, but not as far as your went and they they want to improve on that yeah so yeah like, like you said th- there's no other good um guardian who's done that because yours the only one yeah so you know maybe in the future we'll be naming ourselves after you know whatever they they do or not but yeah sure <laughs> Right, but yeah, I don't know. There's yeah, I'm I'm starting to go to, into a head trip. I think there's I know. not much yeah. else to get. Yeah. Like I think I, I might just read through just the hive card portions alone, and just try to see like what they must have been thinking and what Dredgen was thinking. I'm gonna try to see if I can just get like anything out of this. Um, about I, to go down I, I don't know. I just want over here. I just want answers to things like. Just mostly about, like, what is coming in this game? Like, what is the truth about the darkness and the light? Like, I feel like there's answers here that I'm missing. We're going to go back and read the, we- uh, I mean, all the, all the cards about the Weapons of Sorrow, the Books of Sorrow. Uh. Why, why do I have this feeling that the shadows are going to be very big in D3? I think so. There, I think oh. we're going to have a big something. I hope, I hope. That something big will happen um, in Joker's Wild because of the Drifter. We'll get a little bit of inform- like I Because the, the Drifter might not be a shadow of yore, but he's kind of toeing the line of the darkness. Like, almost to the well, effect and, and that he's he, connected to the shadows. Yeah, exactly. But almost like the fact that, you know, he developed, he found like those beings that were like the hive, but not the hive, that were like 
stronger yeah. than the hive like he might even be like closer to the origin even than the shadows or even your were so i'm hoping we'll get a lot of information with that but i think this is something that definitely yeah could turn into a large story point in d3 and i, I just i just hope that Bungie is able to to just balance like everything there's so many angry people in the community you know about who who just want you know and, and, and it's warranted. Everyone wants something. People want trials back. People want um, faction rallies back. You know, people want something to do all the time. Um, they want in game. But like me personally, I also want story. I want a game that's going to have a lot of uh, the campaign to be awesome. You know, so I just hope yeah. that they can like make everything, especially since they're. They've kind of shrunk now, having you know been split off from Activision and not having those studios. So, you know, these coming this next year will probably be interesting. But I really hope that at least, the very least, they can keep providing us like the grimoire. Just at least keep giving us the story in these books. I really, really like having it in the game, but we'll see. Well, and and even if we don't get it in game, like as long as they provide it in some way. I'm happy. Yeah. I mean, I really love... I mean, I the reason I was so attracted to like Halo originally is because of the story. Granted, I also read a lot of the books and got... There's a lot of extra story you can get outside of the game. But there was so much like depth and story in the game, it sucked me in. And then later on, the like PvP aspect is what kind of pulled me. But, you know, Destiny now, nowadays, games aren't played unless they have in-game. So games focus on a lot of in-game activities... And you lose the opportunity to paint like this vivid story, you know, that's kind of like a one and done story because there's not a lot of replayability to it. So I think Bungie is kind of in a we're in a weird space now where they want to craft this beautiful narrative. But if they craft this beautiful narrative that's just you play through and you're done, then you know, they're not selling a successful franchise. So Right. It's hard. There's not a lot of winning. You got a lot of people with short attention spans. I remember all games used to be you played it once through, and it was awesome, and then you moved on. Yeah, it's just kind of how video games used to be, right? Those were the days. Nowadays, you have to have patches and updates every like month in order for a game to last forever. And there's always a day one patch, and yeah. yeah. I mean, it's cool that games can last so long. But sometimes I wonder that, like, we, we lose a little bit by them always trying to, like, um, please us with instant gratification. Yeah. But, I mean, that's why we do a lore podcast, so we can still get that. <laughs> Absolutely. And let's jump into the very last piece that we want to, to cover here. And that is the flavor text for the exotic weapon from Destiny 1, Thorn. It reads, To rend one's enemies is to see them not as equals, but objects, hollow of spirit and meaning. Thirteenth Understanding, Seventh Book of Sorrow. That's kind of a grim one to uh, end on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like the sword logic. Yeah. Their enemies are just objects. 
that's kind of how the hive just view things, you know? It, Not gonna it's lie. Also- it, it, it still annoys me that it jumps from 9 to 13. I'm 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 thinking that there's more out there. Um, you know, maybe it would just need to be like three entries, and then yeah, I'd we're not fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like what could happen. Maybe we lost some of them in, you know, I don't know. We found this well, journal and it's just missing some pages. <laughs> Somebody well, ripped and, and out honestly, some pages. It might just be that like entries. 10, 11, and 12 weren't translated, and 13 wasn't fully translated. You know, there, there was something that Bung- I, I guess it was Bungie did in Halo. There was a journal that was made, um, Halsey's journal, that was a thing you could yeah. buy in the real world, and everyone was missing. There, in the middle of the book, there was like two pages ripped out, and all the books were like that. Except for apparently, like, two books or something like that were made with those pages. And it wasn't, like, for years and years that it came out that somebody actually had those missing pages. And you can, like, read them now. But, like, that's, like, what it is in, like, my mind. Like, they've just ripped out these three pages and we're going to just secretly find them someday. And they're going to be, like, insane. I can get behind that. (laughs) I just, yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, hey, we didn't have, we were wondering where in the world the seventh book of sorrow was originally, and we ended up getting that, so maybe you'll get yeah. the rest of the understanding. Destiny's just trying to teach you guys patience. It's true. They're also just slowly trying to figure out what in the world's going on with the story they're writing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it might be both. It might be both. I think they have a plan, but they're slowly getting getting through it. They have, like, a bunch of whiteboards with, like, index cards on there and all right, this little, is what we have yeah we have to they're have all easy, like put together ideas. with like sticky tack on the board so they can move them around there's <laughs> just string going all over a giant room <laughs> yep. it'll be like that one episode of um it's always sunny where there's like yeah. a ton of different pictures and no when i started the twitter feed or our twitter page i uh uh-huh. I found like a <clears throat> like a destiny. I, kinda, I remember exactly yeah, what you're, you're talking about. Yeah, it's like a guardian basically in front of like a similar drawn board and it just like has lore spread across it. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what it is in the in the bungee HQ. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how it is in all of our brains. Yeah, dude. And like go existential. Uh, I'm just having a <laughs> I think it's, I can't even process things right now. I've been <laughs> sick for a couple of days now with the flu. That could be it. Um, and it's also late. He's weak, so he's letting the whispers in. I think the whispers are getting in <laughs> right now, guys. So since that's the case, should we just do shout-outs and then... Uh, yes. Then we can just call it a night. Indeed. I like it. Or morning at this point. Hmm. It's always morning when we end. <laughs> so I guess I'm first. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> you are the host this week. And the host with the 
most or we're doing the most. I don't even remember what I said. I'm going to have to go and listen to this. Most with like, the most. Never mind. <laughs> All right. Continue. Shh, stop talking. Um, <laughs> I didn't really. I don't know. I've been wanting to shout out Hyven in like a really mushy gushy. Oh my like... god. Let's not. <laughs> is it unrelated? No. Is it related to the podcast in any way? It's related to the fact that we just had Crimson Days and then our anniversary is coming up. By the time this podcast airs, we will be less than a week away from our two year wedding anniversary. And I just feel like with Crimson Days and everything, I should just shout out my wonderful husband who puts up with me, clearly. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. Let her on our podcast. Right. I swear, like, when I thought about that before, it was, like, more well-spoken. <laughs> and now at... is, it's 1 a.m. Yeah. And now at 1 in the morning, it's just like, hey, babe, I love you. You're super duper. Let's do this for another year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Let's move on to. I do appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Jeez. I just well, I, I now that you I was just waiting for you to finish your I don't know well not as well put together as you were planning on statement. I just love you and I felt like it should be noted with Crimson Days and everything and our anniversary. <laughs> I just thought I appreciate shout the shout. The well, I won't be shouting out a wife because I don't have one. Uh <laughs> So I'm just going to shout out to Ishtar Collective and our fans. I like it short and sweet. Um, I only shout outs I have. Well, now I have to make a shout out to my yeah, wife. He wasn't going to shout out his wife either because he doesn't have one. <laughs> well, I just tell you that in my personal life, but I, I do. Whatever. Very much. There's a reason I had buy new husband on the shopping list this week. That's because <laughs> I just harass you a lot. That's because you no, tell Alexa actual... stupid things to our shopping list. <laughs> She'll she will add so many things you can get away with. It's shocking the things Alexa will say. Anyway. <laughs> um, but yes, of course, shout outs to my co-host, because we love Elemist also. Oh see, well, you uh, forgot Elemist. Gosh. Well, it's not my anniversary with Elemist. <laughs> right? I mean that that's coming up, but it's it's much later. Yeah, we'll figure out exactly when our friend anniversary is, and then we'll shout each other out. <laughs> uh, but my actual shout-outs, I just want to shout-out um, not just my clan, but my extended clan. Some of the, uh, I we kind of have a joint clan family. Both my uh, my raid crew, you guys know who you are. That includes, of course, Elemist as one of my raid buddies. Maybe and, Sean, um, if he listens. Jeez. Yes, that's Sean, but also some of my, my good Crucible friends. We still stick it out in the Crucible. Uh, my Crucible doubles partners, Star, Flamin, Sean, all you guys. Um, thanks for just keeping the game fun and always giving us something to do. Just uh, whether we're raiding or whether we're doing Crucible or whether myself, Elemist, Mrs. Hyven, and Flamin are playing Human Fall Flat. Like, we always... Yeah! have a lot of fun together so i just want to do a shout out to all my friends and and clan mates whoever you are wherever you are um thanks yeah destiny's definitely brought some really great people into our life 
Absolutely. Whatever you're all doing or whoever you're all doing. Are you going to finish that? I know. <laughs> no, that was pretty much it. <laughs> okay. Well then, Mrs. Hyman, can you take us out of this train wreck? I don't know if I want to. <laughs> I also don't know if I want to because I feel like your clanmates got better shout outs than your wife. Jeez. It was so like loving and it just felt so warm and fuzzy. I'm just like, all right. Are? Well, being as I'm the one who is doing the recording, no! I'm going to shut down this podcast. Hold on. No, Good I'm going to shut down. I'm the host. <laughs> Go away. This is my turn. All right. This is your, la- this is your last shot. All right. We don't have any outro music, so bum, bum, bum. Goodbye. <laughs> Good night. Because I always get so nervous when I have to host. I love it, but I hate it. Mm-hmm. Probably because I'm the least educated on that all of the nice. subjects. Oh, good. Oh, it's just that you don't have to be educated about it. You just have to, you know. I just have to torch. read your carefully crafted notes. <laughs> well, you kind of know what this is. The overview is that this is somebody's general notes about a book that they found. Hold up. We don't translating know who's high text. Oh, it's Tevin Gray. You, yeah. Okay, so we do. Okay. These are He's Tevin Gray. Oh, I, I didn't mean somebody like we don't know. Just somebody as in these are a person's <coughs> notes. Fine. These are Tevin Gray's notes. I didn't read. I haven't read through everything uh, that all. So. I, I haven't either. <sighs> in second pause, and then take us on in. <clears throat> oh, I will. I will take. In seconds of silence. Don't forget to wait. Oh yeah, never mind. Continue. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't either. Stop talking. This isn't about you. Because <laughs> I don't know how to start. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was sitting here in like ten seconds. What? I was like, uh... Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode eleven, recorded on two sixteen twenty nineteen. Our topic is the book. How well you do that! Good job. It's almost like he's done it before. Who is this Ivan? I am (laughs) Elmist. Our podcast news. All right, you got this. Ivan should do all the intros. My gosh, you got this. Okay. Welcome to. Nope. See, I already messed that up. Welcome. Welcome to. Welcome to. I just Howdy y'all. The you know how, how loud you are, right? You are so loud when you're just talking, but the second it gets to recording, <laughs> you immediately just start talking like this. I know, because I get so nervous. I'm a little butterfly in my belly, but I love being the one who starts it all at the same time. Just loud feel and like proud, I babe. have like my own intro <clears throat> music, like bum 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 bum. There you go. Like, you should just sing our intro. Right? I should just like, do it like, like that. She's normally bum, loud. Bum, bum, bum. But then once she's actually on the mic, yeah, she starts super... like like <clears throat> No, I was just listening to a podcast. Like an ASMR about this. podcast. I was just yeah. listening to a podcast about this, how like that's how Candid Camera got started. It started as Candid Microphone or Candid Radio or something like that because people got so nervous on a mic. Like, that's how they did it. They found that people would say a lot more, like, different and off-the-cuff things when they didn't know they were being recorded. 
Or they All right, well, we're, well, then I'm not recording you. Ten seconds of silence, please. <laughs> All right. Let's try this for real. We believe in you. Okay. You can't do it wrong. It's really kind of just fluid. I'm fine. I'm just going to do it how I want. Let's just see what comes out. I kind of like my bum bums. All right. Just remember the name of our podcast and what the topic is. Um, And also, sorry, I got distracted there. Foolish. <laughs> I was also going to mention <laughs> you have to just edit me out now. Now I can't focus. You me lose my thoughts. <laughs> you two stop it. <laughs> oh my goodness. What do you mean you two? I'm literally doing nothing. <laughs> you just like yelled at him like a parrot. <laughs> okay, I guess it's just her. She's She's the one killing me in chat trying to Get a response. Dang it, okay. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh God, we're a mess. Guys, All I right. had a Mountain Dew, so I'd stay awake for this, and this is what happened. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little pause just in case we decide to do any editing, and so I can re... <laughs> okay, I'm going to view myself. <clears throat> gather my thoughts. Okay. When viewed as he truly was, not as he has imagined... We challenge the known mythologized. That over, because I also have to cough. When viewed as he truly was, not as he has imagined, we challenge the known mythologized. Oh my gosh, what is this word? I think it's mythologized. Yes, that is right. Mythologized. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Mythologization. Yes. You're just making up your own word. It's okay. Here we go. Do you do? <laughs> apologize. All words are made up. Just like apologize, <gasps> I'm just making things oh, up. Mind the vanguard would not see us uniformly, not just on an individually. That's doing good. You did fine. You actually didn't even mess up. I thought you I went individually. <clears throat> All right. Then that's true. You did do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you were doing really well. Until you were. You messed up. <laughs> Six. The agony of the cutting wood. Oh, sorry. I thought it was Lumberjack. <laughs> He's a lumberjack. No, 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 no. He's using wood to cut. That's <laughs> oh. metal as. <laughs> 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 sorry, I'm assuming it's my card. Kelly yes. just woke up and started licking me in the face. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It was it, really bad timing on her part. I swear we're getting less no, professional Kelly. every no. recording. Editing. Aww. Editing. No, Kelly wants to be part of the podcast. She can speak later. Licking noises are not acceptable on the podcast. I know. That's why I had to mute myself, which is why I couldn't even tell you guys what was going on. <laughs> All right, well, then we will reset and continue. Are, are you kidding? Licking noises will spice this thing up. Oh, <laughs> Why don't I chew on some saltines while we're at it? That's not what we're going for. You missed the mark. <laughs> no, mouth noises are not acceptable. It ain't a mouth. Father has spoken. Get it together. His exo replacement was more pointed in his demise. Damn it! Welcome to my struggle bus.
Uh, this is so good, too. <laughs> the content or me struggling? The content, but... <laughs> <laughs> You're struggling is just getting in the way. No, it's actually both amusing. <laughs> Theory. To provide a foundation for own trans interpretations. Th like, that sounds weird. <laughs> you can do it. Uh, well, no, like... It sounds it's like it's missing our to provide a foundation for oh, it our is. I would just, yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna add that in. That, right yeah, that's yeah, that's necessary. Maybe own is supposed to be our. I would just read it as our own. Yeah, that that's what I'm gonna read it as. Yeah, now I see. My brain was putting it in there, and I didn't even see what she was stumbling. And then when I actually read it, I was like, oh, yeah, it's missing a word. <laughs> and, and then you're like, oh, it makes sense why he's stumbling. Now I understand. He's not a babbling fool. Dude, that's exactly what my brain just said. <laughs> uh, all right. Now that my brain is unbroken. There we go. Eh, slightly. And history. Chronicling, chronicling, uh, 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 chron chronicling. Cr Why can't I say it? Yep, you got it. Chronicling. Like my, my, like my tongue kept getting stuck on like the next to last syllable. I couldn't get it out. <laughs> okay, I'm going back. Chronicling. Weird. Like my 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 tongue keeps getting stuck on that last C because that's where that word like, normally stops. I can do it. Deadly tools said to be inflicted and warped by twisted science verging on mysticism. I read that over mysticism. I I wanted to say masochism and mysticism. Well, and even then, I I think you said inflicted. inflicted. Yeah. Did I? Oh, okay, infected. Mysticism. All right, here we go. Inflicted in masochism. What? Yeah, inflicted masochism. That is not what this <laughs> said. Oh my god. Although it is topical. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. Unfortunately. Oh man.